Hey, hey, you're listening to Johnny Secret Stash. This is John Goldman, and you're listening to us on Radio Harbor Country. That's uh, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. Today, I am uh, happy to welcome Bob Swan from the Harbor Country Opera. Um, he is going to be playing with the Harbor Country Opera Singers at uh, the Acorn Theater on next Thursday, um, December 23rd. So mark your calendars. Um, Bob's got a very deep voice. Looking forward to talking to him. But before we do, I want to play um, Old Man River. This is Bob Swan doing Old Man River. And here we go.
Wow. That's quite the voice. Looking forward to talking to him, and we'll get him on the phone right now. How you doing? Hey, Bob, how are you? Good to have you on the show. Thanks for uh, agreeing to come on. <laughs> how have you been today? Well, thanks for agreeing to have me on. I am <laughs> d- delighted to uh, meet a new member of the board, right? You're a member of the board of I, the Acorn as I well? I am. Yes, I am. That's true. Um, so this is not your first time doing a Christmas show at the Acorn, am I correct? You're correct. This would be the 17th time, I think it is. Wow. Oh, like, so this is something you guys do every year, it sounds like. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, except, of course, for last year. Yeah. Well, that was a tough one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything well, was closed for the longest time last year. Yeah. Like like everything else was, Yeah. Yeah. So how long have you had your organization, Harbor Country Opera? I had it from the, this was the very first show. The Christmas show was the way I introduced the uh, opera to the area, I guess, because uh, um, all, all my singing friends are, for the most part, are opera singers. And so we, um, I back in, I think it was 2005, I think the acorn was just like a year or two old at the time, I um, somehow met uh, Dave and Kim and uh, suggested that maybe, uh, you know, people would like to, you know, have a Christmas show. And they they didn't think anybody would show up. This is back when <laughs> they felt they were lucky to get people in July and August. You know? Uh-huh, and, yeah. And uh, so, I, you know, I, uh, I said, well, let's, let's try it and see what happens. And sure enough, we had a packed house, and we've pretty much had packed houses ever since. So. Oh, that's, that's terrific. Uh, I got to yeah. say, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys next week. Uh, and you're, uh, it's going to be on the 23rd, on Thursday the 23rd at the Acorn. Yeah, two days before Christmas. I figure people would want to get away from their families by then, don't you think? <laughs> that's really right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy, yeah. That's that's the, uh, the two sides of uh, the holiday season. It's like, you know, you can't wait to see your family and then can't wait to not see your family. Uh, yeah, well, it gives them just to all go be together and not have to talk. So, yeah, yeah, there you go. They can just listen, they can just listen to us do, it, do our thing. Exactly. So so who is going to... Singers who are, are, have been singing in Chicago for a long time, many of them with the Lyric Opera, some of them with the Lyric Opera Chorus. Uh, I'm uh, uh, a refugee from the Lyric Opera Chorus as well, and I also did the solo stuff there. And uh, around the country, you know, I, um, I, I, I didn't. Well, I guess really, I originally started out as a singer. I was uh, uh, at, huh? Everything the okay? Of, oh, I got a, a call. I don't. There's nothing I can do about that. It'll go away. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, that's always the a tough of part of it. I was, I was already singing solos in church, and really, wow. I think that. I think that that's what kind of inspired me to do this. This is, uh, come on, shut up. There we go. <laughs> this is kind of, uh, uh, for me, kind of going back to my childhood as a, a little boy, choir boy in uh, uh, St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Hyde Park. Getting and to sing was, Christmas songs again, yeah. Yeah, and it's there's a sense of, 
there is a kind of a sense for me of, you know, kind of being in church doing this, because that's where I first, that was the first time I ever sang in a church, was Christmas. And uh, we do stuff that kind of is vaguely rem- reminds you of, 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 you know, being in church, except there's no kneeling going on. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> so uh, do you, um, the set list that you're going to have for Thursday, is it uh, consistent with past years, or do you pull out new ones each year? You know, how do you, how do you cultivate the uh, set list for your, for your annual Christmas Well, shows? you know, I, I, I have some, a lot of loyal sort of fans, so I can't do the same thing every year. All right. Sure. That, right. That would bore me as well. But also finding new Christmas songs that people may have not heard that are really beautiful, that's really hard. It is. You know? There's, there's uh, a limit. That's right. So I always I reach out usually to my, uh, I have a, an email list of, I guess, about a thousand, something like that. And I reach out to on my email to people and say, hey, make a suggestion, you know. And uh, I've come up with, with some, some pretty good ones. We've got a... I think a shaker song on this on this program, and we've got an Italian song, we've got a French song, um, you know, a German song. Of course, Sound Night really is a you know a, a German uh-huh. song original, right? And that 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 particular song is my favorite. I can't imagine doing a Christmas show without. There's like. Sure. Like four or five songs I can't imagine doing a Christmas show without. You know? I was I was singing the same thing. Just ones that you you it would feel wrong if it, if you didn't play it at uh, a Christmas show. Certain songs. Yeah. You, you look yeah. for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah I have you know for the for the silent night. What we do is uh, the audience kind of hums along, and then we have a solo soprano on the second verse while the audience hums, and it, that is really like being in church without the kneeling. You know, it really is special, and it's it's not just it's not just church, but it's a, a real spiritual sense of community and communion with everybody in the in the place. You know, yeah. I, I'm I'm assuming that it reminds them of their first Christmas as well. You know, and because most of our Christmases, I think I don't know if I'm speaking for everybody, but I think most people have spent a lot of time in church on Christmas. I mean, am I wrong? I think so. You're asking and, the wrong uh, person, frankly. But uh, uh, well, yeah, I, I, I wonder. I wonder what the answer to that one is. Who, yeah, well, who gets I, you to... know, and I'm I'm not saying that there aren't other religions. We, we, this is not a, a religion. Oh no, right. Know, it's definitely become a secular all, thing to sing Christmas but it, songs. But it is. But it is spiritual. Yes. You know, and it's and that's something that can be shared by everybody. So yeah. I, I, I don't regard Christmas as a strictly Christian thing, frankly. Right. I regard it as a spiritual time that where where people really are thinking a lot of the nicest thoughts all the time, as much as they can, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that, that that's this definitely is a part of that tradition, you know. Uh huh. That that definitely part of the essence of Christmas and the Christmas season. It's it's uh, the songs would seem out of place uh, at any other time of the year, but they they just feel absolutely right around this time of the year, you know, with yeah. the temperature the way it is and the quietness and uh, family gathering around, um, you know, it's it fits right into that. And it's there's very little discussion about um, you know any real religious stuff. It's you know factual or uh, not factual, but I mean it's. It's uh, 
uh, you know, more secularly, secularly based, I should say. Um, yeah, well, this is the time when, you know, you give uh, the people who deliver your mail, you give them a, a tip. Right, you know? right. You don't, just, <clears throat> you don't do that. I don't do that any other time of year. That's you right. Know, I know yeah. how hard they work for me. And, and in general, it's a, a, a time to it's a time to reach out and 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 appreciate the the people that you run into in your daily life. You know, that's right. And that's, that's true in our community as well. We have everybody getting together and this and and singing together a little bit and, you know, and uh, sharing songs that we all know. I mean, it's like baseball or something. Right. You know? It's like going to the baseball game and uh, hearing yeah. uh, uh, the Cubs song or uh, take yeah. me out to the ball game. <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, yeah, take me out to the ball game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but of course. Of course, you know we have opera, but it's. It, I've always thought of the Acorn Theater as a kind of uh, rustic chic. Oh, yeah, that's you a know, good way to put uh, it. Yeah, you have you have like really cool things happening, but you don't have to dress up. You don't have to, you know, worry about parking and paying for all. You don't have to go through all the stuff in order to. You, all you're doing is going and getting a wonderful show and a wonderful sense of uh, right. Uh, in, of community. Yeah. So uh, the Harbor Country Opera um, organization, do you play any other types of uh, non-opera music at any other times of the year? Or is this, is this really the, 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 um, the one time a year that you do something different than straight up opera? Uh, no, we, you know, we, we did uh, a combo platter of Les Mis and Phantom. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, so more. And uh, although that's such vaguely operatic in some of it, sure. Although yeah. Phantom makes a lot of fun of opera, frankly. Yeah. You know, but, right. You know, but uh, uh, so th- that was a very that was a very popular show, and and I did the Schubert a Schubert Beatles evening myself, and Martha Karras and I did. Uh, uh, Jacques Brel and Kurt Weil together, so they're you know popular uh-huh. songwriters, yeah. writers of music for Broadway and stuff like that. So um, incorporating, we, we some... go that far. I, you know, I, as I said, I've, I've done the Beatles, and we're going to do a Beatles song here. You know, uh, so this is Christmas. Oh and yeah, what have you done? Uh, the John you know, Lennon song. Yeah, that's going to be Lennon great. Song. Yeah, who and, is going uh, to who's going to be appearing with you on Thursday? Well, I've got a whole bunch of people. One is, uh, every, I think everybody out here knows is Martha Carras. Oh, yeah, be sure. On Broadway with Phantom, actually. I didn't and, realize uh, that. Yeah, she um, she's an artist herself. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, a, you know, using different music. She uh, does the, the dogs and things like that. She's an outstanding yeah. artist, yeah. Yeah, she's devoted her life to r- r- raising funds for animal shelters and such. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really, terrific, yeah. That's what the better part of her life is about, other than singing. Yeah. And, uh, of course, she's married to, to Fritz Olsen, who is right. a fantastic sculptor as well. Yes, right, exactly. And uh, we have uh, John Concepcion, who's a singer who's been with us pretty much from the very beginning, except for the last couple of years when he had a, a bad leg injury at the Lyric Opera and it wouldn't heal for about two years. Oh, wow. But he's back, finally. I've okay, good. I've actually been thinking of... of of calling us Christmas at the Acorn Survivors Edition. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Because uh, we have a number of people who have survived. Uh, of course, John survived that, and Holly Link will be singing with us uh, at this time of year. Last year was almost dead from being hit by a side swipe by a car wall. Oh my God. She was walking her dog and had to be medevaced to the UC and lost her spleen and all kinds of metal in her body right now. But she's going to sing. Wow. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, this is, um, is going to have some extra special meaning. Do it you... does for all of us. And of course, everybody in the audience will have survived COVID. That's and right. This, yeah. this long, this sort of. Uh, the vacuum that we've all had to live through in terms of, you know, uh, performance art. Um, That's right. You know, Everything uh, was really shut down all that time. And... Yeah. Well, uh, let's not forget me. I just, I just got treated for uh, colon cancer. And, right. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's. I think I'm good. You know, I. I oh, good. I, I'm two weeks out from radiation and uh, chemo, and I didn't. I actually am kind of late starting doing this thing because uh i wasn't sure i'd be able to like stand on stage and stuff uh-huh. you know and, uh, and then i thought well what the heck people know me and they'll they'll forgive me and if i fall down they'll come pick me up i'll be all right <laughs> yeah <laughs> right well it's gonna be a delight uh, are, yeah. do you have a band behind you for the christmas show well or? we have three we we have three uh, an instrumentalist, a pianist named Anatoly Torchinsky, who has been with us for most of this time, and uh, a harpist who, who lives uh, in South Bend named Ramona Kim, who's fantastic. She gets to do a little solo herself, uh, I think, from the uh, uh, Christmas, uh, I think, that uh, Benjamin Britten uh, and that did, and um, I still have a little chemo brain, by the way, in case I felt like I'm mumbling. <laughs> no, no worries. <laughs> Looking for nouns and actual things, a little harder than it used to be. Yeah, well, listen, I, I have no excuse, and I talk like that, so uh, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> we have uh, we have a guitarist named uh, Marco uh, Marco Villarreal. Oh, I, yes, I've I, seen Marco. Uh, I saw him at a festival over the summer. He's an outstanding guitar player. Yeah, yeah. Well, he'll be accompanying us on the sofa. I'm going to sing uh, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire, and he'll accompany me on that. Yeah. And a bunch of other things. Uh, I believe that's in the notes of the uh, announcement on the Acorn website that you're going to sing Chestnuts Roasting on Open Fire. Yeah, that's right. It's, yeah. Uh, well, that's again, that's People one are of those looking for that, that one for sure. Yeah, that's <laughs> one of those things. That's another piece that absolutely has to be there, that one and... Uh, I'm John Concepcion sings Oh Holy Night you know, with the harp, oh, wow. which is, oh, by the way, you want to hear a little piece? Here, just a second. Uh, yeah, Let's see how sure. this sounds. That sounds, that sounds a little hard to hear, but I do have uh, the... Um, Could uh, you not... Uh, I, knock, knock. On the website, I have... Um, the uh, the SoundCloud recordings that you've got on your website, and I can uh-huh. definitely, oh, okay. uh, yeah, I can definitely play that one uh, if it's on here. I don't see it on here. It is. It's there. Okay. Uh, well, I'll plan to cue it up as we uh, at the end of the show, like after we've said goodbye and signed off. That'll that'll be the song that we uh, the play at the end. 
as Silent Night. But yeah. It, it looks like it's um, labeled as being uh, the Silent Night by the Ensemble. Is there a different version you'd want me to play? No, I there's a... Um, uh, where is that? Silent Night. I have a... There's a video. If you go to the web... If you, is there, it you on the, the videos? Website? Yeah, it's on the videos then? Yeah, yeah, it's in the videos, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I can... Definitely, I can do that. All right. Well, I'll plan yeah. to do that one. Yeah, um, it's uh, Six from the Bottom. <laughs> from 2013, I guess, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Guess we recorded it in 2011-2013. Yeah, we have other songs like um The Sweet Little Jesus Boy, which is a you know, a gospel, kind of a gospel tune that's going to be sung by Kimberly Jones who will be fresh from doing the Messiah over in Michigan City. And uh that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Another singer we have is Stacy Eckert, is our our alto, and uh, she's been a singer in Chicago forever. And I've been really looking forward to getting her out here. I finally got her. So oh, nice. I don't know if they have stories of survival or not. So we'll file ask them. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they should be <laughs> in the show. You know, if they don't you know? But, well, they're they're singers, so they have survived this, and it's been really rough on every single performer. Right. Right, you know, country. So I, I'm I'm curious about your background. So how did you go from singing in the choir at church when you were seven years old to becoming a professional opera singer? What? Well, uh, how much time you got? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have. Uh, I I wanted to be a doctor, and then I'll, I'll I'll shorten it up a little bit. I wanted to be a doctor. And I realized I was going to be in a hospital all my life. I wanted to get out and see what the world was like. And so I started singing. I just started singing for a living because I could. I did, you know, synagogue jobs and church jobs and sang in Chicago Symphony Chorus. And so, how uh, old were you at that point? Uh, where you? Uh, I was uh, singing I think professionally. When I was twenty-one or two, something like that. What kind of training did you have prior to that, or did, were you most self? You know, I. I, I had been studying with this fellow in Chicago named Tom Wickman, who ran, who created music of the Baroque, and uh, actually he introduced me to my wife back back in the day, you know, fifty years ago or so. Uh-huh. She and I were both studying with him, and uh, uh, my wife's a neuroendocrinologist, by the way. And ask me what that is, I, I don't know. Neuroendocrinologist. I I can just just from the yeah. uh, I, I can guess that uh, it has to do with uh, um, brain endocrinology issues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, she thyroid, was a, perhaps uh, an expert on thyroid cancer. Ah, there you go. And uh, you know, did a lot of research that way. But she also loved music. She was raised with the love of music, and and she and Tom you know, went to North Park College together, and he was you know, a known assassin over there. So, you know, we uh, uh, got together, and, and anyway, that's how I met my wife. And So she ended and, up becoming the doctor, and, and uh, you be, ended up becoming the um, opera singer. Yeah. Or did you become a doctor as well? No, no, no. I uh, uh, I really, I started driving a cab. I, I did, you know, actor things, Yeah. you know. Uh-huh. Uh, and I decided I wanted to act, and it seemed the uh, first audition I did, I got it, and you know, and I never stopped working after that. That's what was your first acting, acting job? Ever. What, what was your first was, acting job? 
the first paid acting job was uh, in Little Theater on the Square in Sullivan, Illinois, doing summer stock. Where right. I, I lived in a tent by a lake because I couldn't afford to live in an apartment. <laughs> I rode my bike seven miles in every day, and and that's that's where I lived. I think they paid me something like a hundred and twenty dollars a week, but fifty of that went to uh, the union, you know, to buy into the union. Oh wow! And that's another, true. you know, bunch went to taxes, and another bunch went here and there, and whatever. And so I had no money for a place to live, so I lived in a tent. Yeah, and, uh, on a reservoir, and then um, my wife came down to visit one time with our. Uh, adopted dog it wasn't our dog we were sort of dog sitting uh-huh. and uh there was a tornado came through oh, you know wow. where we were and tree fell on our tent and a stick sort of stuck between us you know right between us into the ground about a foot you're kidding i mean that's yeah uh... it was the you know the a brand, you know a, a forked branch of the tree sort of went over the top of the tent and the you are a right survivor <laughs> yeah and there was, I remember there was a dog that used to greet me when I came back after riding my seven miles home at night after the show. It was a big German shepherd sitting on a porch <laughs> on a farm that never got me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Something about those dogs along those country roads, they are vicious. They must have got yeah, get there was, any other attention, and they just go after whoever's riding by. That's right. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Yeah. So that that was the first thing I did, but I, I never stopped working after that until uh, one day, all of a sudden, I wasn't, and because I was dovetailing jobs and doing all that kind of thing, and and uh, all of a sudden I wasn't, and I didn't have any money. I hadn't been able to save any money because you don't make any money doing theater unless you're really famous, you know. And of course I wasn't, and um, I thought, well, why, you know. As I, I walked down to the welfare office, from I lived in Hyde Park, I walked downtown because I couldn't afford a bus to the welfare That's office. quite a hike. I at, <laughs> yeah, I stood at the door and looked in and said, you know, if I have to do this, I'm, I'm doing something else. I'm not, I'm not doing this. And I, as I, I came out, I, I ran into a friend of mine on the street, and another fellow came up to him, and he sort of turned to me and said, you know how much this guy makes? And I said, why? He makes a quarter million dollars a year doing voiceovers. I had never thought about that. And I listened to his voice and thought, well, I guess I could do that. And so I, I worked, I started working nonstop about, you know, all day long for the next about half year, put together a, a voiceover tape and then started marketing it aggressively. And uh, within the first year, I think I made first year I made like 40 grand and was doubled it and then doubled it after that. So, you know, I, I became a, you know, one of the probably top 20 voiceover guys in the country for a while. Where might uh, people have heard your voice? Uh, what? Oh, I, I, I did all kinds of stuff. Uh, I commercials that, and I, yeah, I did, uh, um, Let's see. Here's Weatherbeater Paint for Great American Home, like yours. <laughs> wow! All right. And uh, I did. I was the voice of Beef for a while. I was the uh, uh, voice of United Airlines until uh, Gene Hackman took that over. Although he couldn't say "friendly," if they said "fly the friendly, friendly skies," that always that was a 
ticked me off. <laughs> Wait, I, <laughs> he I, took my job, he, and he couldn't even say friendly for cry eye. He he would so. say friendly incorrectly, <laughs> like he'd say friendly, uh, or em- put the emphasis somewhere else. I wasn't. I didn't follow that exactly. It says friend friendly, no D. Oh, I see. Friendly, friend friendly, no D. Friendly, I, yeah. 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 <laughs> like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. He does yeah. have a pretty recognizable voice, I you know. Uh well, I guess that they didn't say it in here is you know, here is Dean Hackman that's for true. Used, you know what the thing is what they like to do is use stars and bring clients along and, and show the the clients uh, a good time and spend and the class the client of course is paying for the stars. Yeah. So they get to meet them. You know, and uh, you can sell a lot of bad ideas with if you stick a star on top of it. You know, that, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> so, how long? How old were you when you got into the voiceover stuff and started making a career? I was career thirty out of that? years old. Okay, I remember so... that uh, I had finally, I had hoped that I'd be able to find out something where I could, you know, make a living by the time I was thirty, and that's when I that's when I started doing it. Did you continue to do the plays as well while you were doing the voiceovers? Yeah, I did plays. For, I did plays for a while until Amir Daly died, and all of a sudden movies came into town. He was keeping them out. I was actually hired Is... to do a movie with, with Gene Hackman about a jailbreak. Oh, it all comes back around <laughs> in Juliet, right? And Daly, uh, Daly put the nicks on it because actually at the time people were walking out of Juliet once a month, you know. <laughs> So he didn't like he didn't like these guys coming in and telling him what to do with his city, you know. Yeah, yeah. So he, he definitely kept had out. a reputation. Yeah, but when he died, then all of a sudden things opened up, and they they came in, and uh, Steppenwolf uh, became popular. All of a sudden, Chicago actors were the only actors that knew how to be real, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, we were the Gary only guys Sinise who were authentic. And... All the other people were. We're doing Hollywood style acting or right. New York style acting or something. And so it became a good thing to be a Chicago actor. And uh, when they came into town, uh, you, know, you have that sort of backing in a way, knowing that that's kind of how they feel. It feels comfortable when you audition for people because auditioning is the hardest part of doing the show business. Oh, it must you, be so stressful. If, if you do well, you get one out of ten. Uh-huh. You know, if you're good, you get one out of ten. If you're not, uh, you know, the odds get get a lot worse. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of rejection, and it and it seems like it's uh, rejection that may not have anything to do with your talent or how good you are. It's just the the person that they need for the role may not be you. That's right, and you know the the way that any actor can find that out is by. Doing and doing it. I, I produced a play called The Lesson by UNESCO, and of course gave myself a starring role. I had Mike Nussbaum directing it, when Barbara Gaines, who's now running the Shakespeare Theater in Chicago, was the student. And uh, we got, I think, we got more Jeff nominations for that one little play than a year. Where did that uh, play get performed? That was that was uh, we created a new kind of contract called the Colt contract, the Chicago Off Loop Theater contract, which uh, allowed people to uh, uh, go take more remunerative uh, uh, jobs uh, on on short notice. 
Uh, and so, uh, so we were able to create all kinds of new little theaters. We did, we did that show in a bar on the near North side on Lincoln Avenue. Wow. And it became it was one of the first places, you know, along Lincoln Avenue to, you know, and then, then that was kind of a seed and it grew into the show Chicago movement and such, you know, so, um, I was a definitely strong part of, of all of that. I worked a whole lot and that the Goodman and a number of other theaters North Light. I was in the North Light's first production uh, in Evanston. Uh huh. Sure. Yeah. Day. Over by McCormick over there, McCormick and yep, Green Bay. That's right. It was it yeah. was in a it was in a grammar school on a grammar school stage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I remember that one. Uh, yeah. So, um, so then, yeah, I started doing. I started getting getting roles in movies and stuff, and I got uh, an agent in New York, uh, and I eventually switched him for an agent that was both New York and uh, Los Angeles, and started doing stuff like uh, I would got a I used to fly into New York on People's Express Airlines. Yeah, I remember that one. (laughs) Yeah, it was fifty bucks, you know, and and it was like it was like you know a a bus trip in South America or something. Oh, right, there right. Were, People with chickens in, in uh, cages. Chickens on and the... goats. And... <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you a little secret. You know, they they pick, they, they you got on the plane and then you paid yourself, just like you were on a bus, right? Yeah. Then you paid for your ticket. Wow. What? At your seat, they'd come around and make sure you had a, a, a ticket yeah. paid for. Amazing. Well, no, they they would just sort of take the money from you on the spot, and you you know, and, uh, <laughs> they, but they knew that they uh, they made an announcement right before we landed. So there's somebody who hasn't paid, and I realized that I hadn't paid, <laughs> and I, I didn't I didn't answer. I got one free ride from those. Suckers. Oh yeah, good thing TSA wasn't around back then. That would yeah. have uh, not ended <laughs> right. properly. Oh man, that was so. That was such a you know fly by the seat of your pants kind of outfit. Man, yeah. oh man, that's uh, you know that's probably but not I a model used, that would that would do New York well today. every week because I could afford to, you know. And, yeah. Uh, so you just were able to keep your home in the Chicago area and yeah. uh, live a real life. Uh, right, and and that probably and Barbara, was appreciated. Barbara had a real Barbara had a real job, and and of course she had a real job being a neuro uh, endocrinologist. Yeah. That, yeah, uh, serious stuff. Yeah. Did, uh, so the transition from um, uh, from voiceovers to uh, to to movies and plays. Um, are you still doing movies and plays, or are you focused more on uh, on the opera? And 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 when did you start? You know, doing more opera singing. How did that? Well, I. I didn't really start doing opera until I was something like 50 years old because I, I was, oh. you know, uh, busy doing uh, movies and TV and stuff. You know, I did all my children and, uh. you know, the, the Untouchables and Hoosiers. Those are the ones that most people know about. Uh-huh. And, uh, I worked with uh, Madonna and uh, who was it? John Goodman and Peter Strauss and, uh, oh, geez, a whole bunch of. You know, all of a sudden you're working with stars and you have to deal with people who are stars. It's a difficult <laughs> thing, you know. Yeah. It's difficult because you know them and they don't know you from Adam. And it's really hard to, not, like, not look too nicely at them. You know what I mean? Because you know them, and especially if you like their work, you're, you know, you're like, 
Oh, I'm pleased as punch to meet you. you know? <laughs> yeah, right. You, you don't want to be that uh, that fanboy. Yeah. You, you want them to um, think that they're that you're a part of the scene as well. That uh, that you just respect them. Uh, yeah. You know, so, I had a, and there's some people like uh, Gene Hackman, for example, and I did Hoosiers with him. Um, he was pretty. By the way, I love that movie. Part. That that's an unbelievable movie. That's uh, it is a great. I've movie. watched it over and over. It's just. You yeah, know, the quintessential, you know, uh, small basketball team, small town basketball team, you know, making it all the way to the finals. It's uh, it's the Rudy right. of basketball, and I'm I'm a better basketball player. Right, and the guys who player. did Rudy did that as well. I didn't who... even know that. <laughs> yeah, so they they yeah. had a little bit same of same writer, a... uh, Angelo Pizzo. Oh, yeah. okay. They... And the same the same director, and I was in that movie as well. I was in Rudy as well. Little role. I oh, played yeah. a priest. Oh, and, wow. uh, but, uh, you know, Hackman was, you know, working with stars and stuff. I had a lovely scene with him that was cut, unfortunately. Oh, like yeah. Their favorite scene that they had to cut. That's what they said. But it's in the, like, 25th anniversary thing. They put it back in. But, um, my relationship with, with Hackman, I was on the bench with him, like, throughout the movie. And, uh, um, at one point, you know, it was a little remote, and, but at one point I, I had an idea about, uh, a scene and presented it to him and he sort of sloughed me off and I, I, I let go of a bunch of, you know, I won't say what words I used, but they were not, you know, they were swear words. Uh-huh, yeah. You know, until you, you're a big F and a big F and star. So yeah, right. You know, don't uh. listen to Blah, 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 you know, uh-huh. and I sort of walked away from him, and I thought, well, that's my relationship with him, you know, that's gone, <laughs> and uh, a few minutes later, I heard this voice behind me go, well, you know, maybe maybe we could do it that way, you know, and it was Hackman, and from that point on, we were pals. Oh, that's great. Because I'd stood, he's a, he, you know, he joined the Marines when he was 16. Gene Hackman you know, did, to, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, to, to get out of Danville, you uh-huh. know, Illinois. So, oh. did know, he have he, to tell him he was older than he was? Did he uh, give him a fake uh, birth date? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. okay, because 16 was too young, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. You yeah. know, it speaks to his, uh, you know, he's a tough guy. You know, that, that role that, that he played in, uh, you know, the, the drug movie that he did uh, uh, was, was him, you know, Popeye Doyle. Uh, oh, uh huh. So he really was kind of a. He re, yeah, he really. But he is also. I was going to choose really a word that I wasn't sure it could be. Well, <laughs> he's a fine artist as well, you know, and a bit of a poet and all that kind of stuff. So he's a he's quite a combo platter of a person. Yeah, you know? yeah. He's sure he's and he you know does comedies too. I mean, you know, the French he's Connection is like comedies like he, Get Shorty. He was fantastic. Get Shorty. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking of the Royal Tenenbaums. Also, he was just so good in that one. That was really oh yeah, good one. and yeah. then of Unforgiven. Don't, don't, don't forget Young Frankenstein. He was in Young Frankenstein. Yes, uh, he was. The, he was the blind. He was the blind uh, guy who, uh, <laughs> you know, with uh, 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 Frankenstein burned. You know, burned his thumbs and whatever. And uh, no, he burned. He burned. Frankenstein, the monsters, uh, thumbs, and then gave him a cigar and all that stuff. And 
And he was a little cottage when Frankenstein is wandering around after having, I don't know, killed a little girl or did whatever with a little girl. You know? And yeah, yeah. Make, make some soup. Let's have some soup. And it gets all poured all over him. And anyway, that's him with a beard and all that. He isn't, he's not credited for that role. Ah, wow. <laughs> yeah, so, so that was that was a lot longer. When the ago. monster goes stomping out of the house, though, he says, oh, I was going to make espresso. You know. <laughs> I don't remember that. I'll have to take another look at that movie. Yeah, you know, yeah. and he's such a um, uh, recognizable personality too. When he yeah. hits a movie, um, it's his real voice talking. Remember, he was uh, Lex Luthor and Superman, and you know, oh yeah, that, that very was, funny. In that. He so was. Funny. He was. He was great with uh, Ned Beatty, and uh, he, yeah, he was. He, but he was real. He was his own person then. You know, he wasn't. Uh, I mean, obviously, he came across in, in the Lex Luthor kind of uh, um, approach to uh, you know mad scientists and all that, but it was it was him talking, uh, Gene Hackman, and uh, that comes through in a lot of his um, characters. That you know, it's he's got this real feel to him, and uh, I think yeah. that's what made him so so popular and everything. Um, yeah. I also see that you were in uh, Natural Born Killers. Um, not yep. as familiar with that one. What what kind of work did you do in that that movie? Well, I was I was a prison guard. It wasn't you know it was a, a couple of days work, so oh, it wasn't uh-huh. all that much. But but working with that that director is is is, is something else. And, oh yeah, uh, Oliver Stone and and then Quentin Oliver Tarantino Stone. was one of the writers. I guess that must have been a really early one for him. Yeah. Well, ninety four, maybe not that early, uh, but he was uh, had a writing credit for that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, we we were in a, like a real real prison, and <laughs> yeah. that was something else. What a movie! What a guy! Oh yeah, that was a, that was a tough one. Um, and then the Untouchables you were in as well. Looks like yeah, uh, I, I got to hang with Sean Connery and introduced him, my wife to him and stuff. And I even gave her a hall pass should they get something going. You know? <laughs> I get it. I get it. Huh? It's fine. <laughs> Oh yeah, he he was the best, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, he introduced me to single malt scotch. So Is that right? That. Introduced a single malt scotch by the single scotch I, guy, for, by I by the quint- quintessential I, Scotchman. Yeah, that's scotch amazing. Guy, yeah, yeah. Well, and and then as Bond, you know, he just was untouchable as Bond. I mean, uh, yeah. a lot of people pick him as their favorite Bond man, and got to give him a lot of credit. Although. Uh, um, Craig is pretty good too, but uh, I like I like I like Craig. I think still you know the, they all have they all have some something to offer. That's except. true. They all have their yeah. Roger Moore too. You know he he kind of brought a little bit of a almost like a humor to his in in his uh, unflappableness and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. He was he wasn't that good, but he was he was fine. He was fine, and you know. But uh, you ever notice how? You know, some of the stars, like like Sean Connery, for example, is an unbelievably graceful guy. That's true. You know, yeah. I, I don't know if you know, but he's as graceful as Cary Grant, and he was and he was an acrobat for cry eye. You know. Oh, and, I uh, didn't realize that. Yeah, he started out as an he was an acrobat doing flying leaps and all that kind of stuff. Cary Grant, yeah, he did everything. Well, back in that Early day, you probably had to do all your own stunts and. Um... And that was kind of part of it. He had to be that flexible if you were going to yeah. do that kind of stuff. 
So uh, have you done uh, any big movies since uh, Natural Born Killers? Um, I'm trying to think of, well, I, after I did Natural Born Killers, I, I worked with Jane Fonda in The, the Dollmaker, ah. which was a, a kind of a made for, it was a, a real movie. It was shot like a movie, but it's been put on TV and she won, she won the Emmy for that. And, uh, I, I had a nice role in that. I played a Polish guy who lived next door who was. I was with her a lot. She's a wonderful, wonderful uh, actress and person. You know. Yeah, she she is quite the dy- dynamo, uh, and she's been well, doing she's that. She's still going. She's still getting into canoes and and fighting oil tankers. You know. <laughs> yeah. But, but she's eighty something years old. And... I know. She's she's great. <laughs> well, you know, maybe maybe it all relates back to her keeping herself in shape during the eighties with her Jane Fonda workout stuff or something like that. But yeah, yeah, she's she's amazing, and that show with uh, her and Lily Tomlin and yeah. Martin Sheen. Um, uh, it's still going. They're HBO. still doing that. It's it's a good one. I I haven't seen it in a couple of years, but I remember when it first came out. That uh, you know, thought like, wow, Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, good for them, and and they're they're making it a, a real franchise. They they're the dominant forces in that show. It's a it's a good yeah, one. pretty amazing. Yeah, pretty amazing stuff, you know. Well, to you know, to me, I mean, all the all the really good actors that I've worked with are for one one hundred percent. They're the hardest workers. Those are the guys who make it. It's the hardest workers. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Period. You know, you get all these these sort of uh, has been actors or would be actors. You know, they they you hear them jealously rant about this or that or the other actor. You know, I've always suspected that that was, you know, uh, bulltwaddy, and you know that what they need to do is take a look at these guys and see why they're so good at what they do. You know, they worked hard at it. You know, but uh, Dustin Hoffman, Gene Hackman were uh, roommates back in the day in New York. Is starving. that right? Wow. Yeah. You know, going to, going to with Stella Adler and all, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, doing all of the, the horrible, you know, really hard jobs that you have to do in order to make a living. If you're not a famous actor, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Waiting tables and, and uh, you know, whatever yeah. you could do. And even someone like Madonna, who's, talents I don't particularly like because she is an unbelievable hard worker and you know uh, just she totally just created her own career out of out of whole cloth you know she yeah. was really she was more of a cheerleader than she was anything else you know and, right. and she turned that into a huge huge multi-million dollar you know fantastic career so right yeah she did some she movies was, as well there something else to work with yeah so up yeah, in, that one. you mentioned that you were 50 before you started uh, doing opera singing. Uh, had yeah. you been uh, taking lessons? Had you been, you know, singing at church? I mean, you know, wh- what were you doing to exercise yeah, your I voice? Always, to- I always kept singing, you know. I always kept singing. And, uh, uh, and, but but when, I, uh, when I started to get into opera singing, I cut off all the other work and just did the coaching and did, uh, I learned, uh, uh, the languages, you know, uh-huh. how to pronounce them all, how to sing them. And, 
that was a lot a lot of work. I really did work really hard at that I learned roles without being hired for them, which is that's the hardest thing. Can you imagine? Oh you know, wow, so you'd fully learn a role learn a without role. somebody. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I I learned the roles that I thought I was likely to get if I was good. You know, little the great ten minute roles that I call them, you know, uh-huh. like uh uh, Zoroastro in Magic Flute, or the Speaker in Magic Flute. You know, they're both really rather small roles, but they have some of the nicest songs in the thing. You know, and and uh, basses, good basses are hard to find. You know, right, uh, right. I know that because you know what I do out here is I sing bass, and if I'm not singing it, I don't I don't know who to find to come in and substitute for me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, there's not a lot of bases out sure. there, I would imagine. Not really. It, it is a rare, you know, the, both the low things, the alto and the bass are, you know, those are, you know, hard to find. You know, you have sopranos all over the place and tenors sure. all over the place. Yeah. And uh, that's good and bad for them because it's, you know, the difference There's a lot more competition at the tenor and the yeah, soprano. Yeah, you know, the difference between the sopranos who make it at the Met and... Uh, well, let's say the sopranos I use here is sometimes non-existent because I've used people who sang at the Met for you know some time. You uh-huh, know, right? And uh, but the the difference is you know I, it's kind of hard to say what it is. It usually is maybe a little more talent, maybe not. Maybe just much harder worker, much, uh-huh. much harder promoter. You know, yeah. better once they got the job with making sure they got another job at the same place. You know. Right, right. And there's maybe a little bit of politics involved at... Uh, hey, oh, are, you, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But particularly at sort of the smaller theater level. You know, the smaller sure. theaters are populated with, with staff who are, you know, not as secure as uh, of their abilities as the ones who made it. You know, sure. so they're often much more sensitive and harder to deal with for that reason. I see. Okay. You can get on the bad side of them. I've done that, you know, just just by... I, once, I remember once I, I heard one of them, uh, the head of this outfit, Badmouth, a singer, she was hard to work with or she was this or that. And I, and I said, you know, it's really easy just to badmouth people, but I just worked with her and she was fantastic and she was a wonderful colleague and I think you ought to know that uh, to the person you know that he was talking to. Yeah, and he never forgave me for that. <laughs> he made him look bad. <laughs> he never forgave yeah. me. I had, I had promised myself that I would never engage in conversation with people knocking other people, you know, telling tales and all that kind oh, of stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I you know, because I, I, I'd, I'd sat by, you know, without talking many, many times and just sort of let it go. And uh, I finally, I, you know, I finally just said, you know, okay, you know, I'm going to say what's on my mind. And I did. And, you know, I worked for that place again, by the way. That guy got fired eventually. So there Is we that go. right? Yeah. What goes Happy around? Story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Did you um, uh, become a member of the ensemble at uh, Lyric Opera, or how does that work? I mean, is yes. there sort of like a well, you audition, but you audition uh-huh. like anything else. They have, you know, in I guess in like March or so. I think they they have auditions over there, and uh, uh, I originally sang in the chorus, and then I got offered uh, 
uh, cover roles, which is, you know, backing up anybody who might get sick. And, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and occasionally the smaller roles, uh, you know. And uh, I've played larger roles in most of the other theaters around in, in, in Milwaukee and in Georgia and Hawaii. The Hawaii Opera is really quite a nice opera. And the... the uh, 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 a bunch of places. Uh huh. Yeah. So, and then when you know, it, when you started up the uh, Harbor Country Opera, did you have uh, you know was it start? Well, it sounds like it it uh, originated when you first wanted to get some people together to print play Christmas songs at the Acorn. Yeah. And then it yeah. developed from there. That it, it developed from there into doing you know concert you know highlights you know uh, great sure. solos this or that you know of this opera and that opera. And then it turned into actually doing productions of operas, first with a piano that was real bare bones kind of stuff and improvised costumes and things and, you know, and then uh, with full costume and full orchestra. Uh, we did La Boheme over at the high school with a, a beautiful full set designed by a guy who worked at San Francisco Opera. And, uh, which, and uh, we, which high school? At New Buffalo. Oh, High New School. Buffalo High School. Uh huh. How long ago was that? That was in 2014, I think. Oh, it was. okay. All right. So, and uh, are you, do you split your time between here and Chicago still, or are you now? I, I live out here. I live in in, in beautiful downtown Rolling. Not downtown Rolling Prairie. Oh yeah, it's um, beautiful. I used, to, I used to live in in uh, uh, Union Pier and. Uh, I did, you know, I, I, at one point when I, I had, uh, uh, I felt like I'd been really lucky, you know, at doing show business and making a living all my life in show business. I thought I'd better do something more, more, uh, uh, concrete. And so I, I, I developed a place called, uh, Swan's Way in Harvard, which is like about 25 acres of, of land right near the lake and uh and did a development over there and mortgaged my house in chicago and you know put it on the line and uh you know and it turned out turned out great it's a gorgeous you know development now i think it's i think it's the nicest place to live in the whole area so uh you started a uh development of houses a number yeah, of houses I, in that... I, well i i did i developed the land you know uh-huh. i, I the roads. I cut down almost all the trees myself, along with my dog Muckluck. <laughs> and uh, you know, so I, I had I had been going to that particular forest uh, just on dog walks. Oh, uh-huh. just taking them for dog walks, and I, I found out by being there that it was for sale. And uh, but I couldn't buy it until I think Chickaming was having a water problem, so they they couldn't. They had to fix their water problem because before they could allow any more land to be developed. Oh, uh-huh. I, do, I had a I kind of that. insider in, info to let me know that it was that was about to to expire. So I was the first guy who made an offer. They took the first offer they got, and you know I I bought the whole lot there for like a half million bucks for oh. twenty five acres right yeah. near the lake. Wow, that's that's quite. Uh... <laughs> It's quite a coup, especially thinking about yeah. it these days. It, you know that that same property with twenty five acres on the lake. It's um, 
That would be yeah. worth much more now. And so then oh, you, you uh, think? <laughs> <laughs> so then you took down the trees and, and literally like put in the infrastructure and developed it yourself, sold off lots. Yeah. And that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you have had quite the career, you know, you, just to recap, uh, you'd uh, done plays and uh, you, you decided not to be a doctor. You went and did plays and you did voiceovers. Then you started doing, uh, you know, other plays and, and then got into movies, and then transitioned to being a opera star, and now you're a land developer and, and an opera sponsor. Outstanding. Yeah, it's been uh, you know wild uh, ride. Yeah, it yeah it has been. I can tell you that you know when I was developing the property, it took me like two years to try to figure out what to do with it. You know, and uh, and uh, during that time, I had to go. I I. At the end of that time, I went to the bank to get an extension on my loan, and they wouldn't give it to me. I remember you know, I was still living in Chicago at the time. I remember, because I would drive out here all the time. Yeah, I remember being on the toll road, just breaking down in tears, thinking I had just screwed the pooch, <laughs> you know, that I had yeah. ruined everything. You know, I you know, I'd lost our house. I'd lost everything. And uh, three days later, I sold a lot for like 150 grand or something, and that sort of saved me. Yeah. And know, that's would, that's the way it goes, you know. It's like sometimes it takes that last second when you're really, um, you know, kind of digging and trying to figure it out, and and um, it all comes together. It's all gonna it's all gonna work out. Yeah, yeah. Well, boy, you know, it were dark days. I'll tell you, you know. And but there is something to, you know. It was, I think, I was kind of my happiest. Then, when I was doing that, and the only other time I was as happy was when I was I was doing a lot of movies, and I knew I had another movie coming up. You know, yeah, yeah. That... So, so I mean, as an actor, what you want is you want to have something coming up because uh-huh. people are always asking you, "What are you doing?" And, oh. and they're already assessing you. Yeah, is this guy is some kind of loser, or is he an actual actor? You know, <laughs> right? Is this and, a one-time thing, or? Yeah, right. You know, is he? Is this like? Uh, am I talking to anybody here? I remember when I was in, in the, my my first job at, at the little theater on the square. You know, we 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 had kind of you know overused. You know, the stars stars kind of past their prime would come and and work there, and uh, the, the audience would hang out afterwards to get autographs and stuff. I had one person when I came out from the dressing room say, "Are you anybody?" Oh, jeez. Wow. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, you can tell them you are. So I, I do want to close out the show and get a chance to listen to this uh, version of Silent Night. Um, yeah, it's, uh, and this is John Concepcion. John Concepcion. Okay, well, uh, yeah. looking forward to seeing you guys at uh, the Acorn Theater on, on uh, December 23rd. Um, Talking to Bob Swan from Harbor Country Opera and uh, um, calling See, eight it eight o'clock Eastern, eight o'clock yeah. Eastern, and it's uh, Christmas yeah. Christmas songs. I mean, all kinds of yep. different Christmas songs with being sung by a variety of of uh, professional opera singers, and uh, yep. sounds like an unbelievable supporting cast on on yeah. different instruments: the harp, the piano, guitar. Very yeah. much looking forward to it. And don't, don't forget, they get to meet Rudolph. Oh, that's is that all right? I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. All right. Can't say anymore. A little teaser. Sounds good. Yeah. 
Well, here we go yeah. with uh, Silent Night. And uh, Bob, pleasure Thank talking you, to you. Nice talking yeah. to you. Here we go. You bet. Bye-bye. Oh, uh-huh.